Salut and welcome to Being Métis, episode 5, live on Louis Day. This time we head over to the biggest francophone and Métis celebration, Festival du Voyageur, for a live discussion on Louis Day. Nestled in the heart of St. Boniface, imagine a bustling festival with hundreds of people celebrating winter, snow sculptures, and maple syrup on every other chin. In between the large sugar shack tent and the historic Fort Gibraltar sits a small four-world cabin called Maison Chaboyer. During this weekend of the festival, the army of historical reenactors from La Copine La Virandrie hosts visitors for old-time fun and history. Just for us, they let my team come in with our recording equipment and host a Métis conversation. The guests? Member of Parliament for St. Boniface and proud Métis, Dan Vandal, and his daughter, Jenna Vandal, who led a large protest in 2017 against the city of Winnipeg. So, throw on your capot and saint sur we're off the festival for a Métis chat. Oh, and I was emceeing a lot, so I lost my voice. Don't bug me. All that and just on Spirit Bliss on this, the fifth episode of Being Métis. I'm hosting a podcast called Being Métis. It's an identity search for myself and for every Métis who's ever wondered, oh, I got a little bit of Métis in me, what's going on with that? And so what I want to do is help you identify um, with something you can. So there's already four episodes out already. Um, the fourth episode about Louis Riel just came out yesterday. So if you're walking around today going, I should probably know a little more. BeingMetis.ca is available. So um, you can find us on SoundCloud, you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on BeingMetis.ca. Um, but you're here now. And what we want to talk about today is we're going we're gonna to go into a little bit more about Métis identity. And uh, I'm very, very honored to get to do this here f during Festival du Voyageur on Louis Day and the guests that I have with me as well. So if I'm too excited some of the times, just get used to it. Um, and also, pardon my voice, 34 hours already of emceeing wow. in, in the Big Ten. So I'm a happy man right now. <laughs> Merci. Um, but uh, without further ado, I want to introduce my guests so that we can uh, get into our discussion a little more. All right. So, uh, well, we'll do ladies first, I guess. So Jenna Vandal, I was able to, to meet her uh, earlier this year. We met the, during a CBC panel on Métis and Conversation. And uh, why she was invited is because she's a strong Métis voice right now. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard throughout the summer, there was the Roostertown protest where it, used, it was uh, and she, along with many groups of people and many other people, stood there trying to defend their land. And they did the best, and we're going to talk about that later on. So that's why I wanted to have her. And then uh, he works for the government at some point, uh, I think, at some <laughs> point of view. Uh, Dan Vandal is the MP for St. Boniface, but also uh, the reason why I wanted to have him here um, is because he's, he's been able to, in, in our generation, we're able to talk about it slowly but surely a little more. And I know from talking with Jenna a little bit that uh, it wasn't always prevalent in his life. Um, and so for someone to have a daughter who's so strong into it, I want to see what that, that sort of life and that juxtaposition is about. So without further ado, welcome our guest. For letting us use their space. All this technological gear is, is baffling them right now. They're, th they're calling me wizardry and all that sort of thing. So, un grand merci à eux Okay, now we're here. Hello, thanks okay. for having oh, us. Okay. Un grand merci. So, uh, you guys can just go, you're good with your, your microphones there. Um, so, to get us started off, uh, first off, uh, I want, can you maybe, um, Jenna, talk a little bit about 
um, your experience growing up as a mitzis. Actually, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do it chronologically, history-wise. Sure. Dan, yeah. I'll start with you. Um, chronologically, his, with, with your history growing up, what was being Métis in your life, or was it there at all? Good question. Um, when I was growing up, uh, we uh, didn't. My father, my parents didn't recognize our Métisness. Uh, we on a grandi at Saint Jean Baptiste. Uh, par la rivière Rouge, puis il uh, y avait des métis, là, sans doute. Mais c'était pas quelque chose qu'on discutait comme d'une uh, base de fierté. We didn't talk about it as something that we're proud Métis. And, uh, uh, it was something that was uh, more or less not talked about. So did you, did you know about it in your life? I, I, yes, I kind of did because neighbors talked. And uh, I was five years old when I moved to St. Boniface. And, uh, you know, shortly thereafter, um, uh, I'd go out to play and my friends would say, you know, you're Indian, eh? I said, well, no, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm French. He says, no, 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 you're Indian. Talk to the grocer over there. And, and, and he says, the, the, Van, the Vandas are Indians. And I said, no, no, we're French. The Métis were there, but it wasn't widely, it wasn't acknowledged in my family. Yeah. It's only until I got to be uh, a young man that I started to uh, explore, read, research. And I read George Stanley's book. Okay. On, uh, on the struggles of the Métis, and they talked about, uh, uh, Joe Vandal, Joe Vandal in Batoche was bayoneted uh, by a British and died. Mm -hmm. And that's all described very graphically in George Stanley's book. Yeah. So I did a bit of little research. Uh, uh, Joe Vandal was a direct descendant of Daniel Vandal, Maris Vandal, my dad. And there was, it became quite clear with a bit more research that there was a very strong connection with Batoche, yeah. with the Métis, uh, right here in Saint Boniface and along the Red River. Yeah. And I'm, this kind of blew me away. It was kind of like, wow, why don't we know this? Yeah. Why, why don't we talk about this? Why aren't we proud of this? So, we, what age is this? What age is this? Stop and put that on so I'm I, just, I, I don't want to guess on your age right now, but that's been a while since you've had that check, okay? It's double that. Double, okay. Plus, plus. No, I'm, I'm 57, so it was, I was a young guy, young yeah. guy. So, so then when you made that discovery at 23 years old, which a few years ago for me, which is about at the same time, um, why didn't you make a podcast? No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, you know, I guess you probably, you probably had that shock, but you maybe weren't able to do anything about it, I guess. Huh? It was a... Sh it, it was a... Uh, it was certainly uh, somewhat of a shock. Maybe shock's a bit too much, but we, I talked with my family about it. I did more research. Uh, je suis le plus jeune de, de, de huit enfants. Uh, so I talked to my brothers. I did more research, and it was quite clear that we had a very... Les Vandas, it's, it's a very strong Métis lineage, and uh, why, why weren't we proud of it? Yeah. You know, and that's something that I still don't quite understand today. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess it's, it's. I mean, from what I know, is a lot of it is the is the social pressures that existed before. And it's, of course, it's, of course. So it's, it's not with great understanding. I've come. Uh, there was uh, Joe Vandal was killed at Batoche. Uh, Pierre Vandal and Baptiste Vandal were arrested at Batoche. Mm -hmm. And if you've got the book Prisoners of Grass, you see them lined up with shackles. Mm -hmm. They were hauled off to jail. And I, I put the guy we did that. Panel discussion with recommended me that book. Oh, yeah. Side note. So uh, 
so put yourself in their shoes. If you're fighting for Métis rights and one of your brothers is killed, you're not going to be Métis very long because people want to live. <laughs> so I think at that point, uh, the Métis Vendat, the Métis Vendats quickly became French-Canadian. And it was just much safer to not be Métis. Yeah. Riel was executed. There was the whole push the Métis underground, uh, do away with, uh, uh, with the, the Métissage. It's, it's and at the time, what was government policy? It was, it was Christianize, yeah. civilize, and assimilate First Nation, Métis, and Inuit up north. So, but we're in a lucky place now where that doesn't exist anymore. At least that's social pressures anyway. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So for, um, for you, Dan, bringing it into your family, what was, what was, um, did you feel that was important for your kids to grow up, Métis? Of course. Of course. I think it's always you should be proud of who you are. Uh, I mean, if you're not, then you're kind of, you'll be messed up on a certain <laughs> level at a, at a certain point of your life. Right. So, so then Jenna, Jenna is perfectly fine. Know, then know who you are, be proud of who you are, yeah. and learn and explore. Yeah. Uh, I think, and I've always tried to be, uh, to, to explore your, mate, your, your matiness, do it in an honest way. Yeah. Don't try to be somebody you're not. Absolutely. And that's always been my, my MO. Yeah. I can, uh, definitely the same way too. Like I'm not, yeah. uh, not going to do anything we don't need to. Um, and I was so proud when Jenna, because at first it was kind of like, hmm, okay. I don't think it, it meant much. No, no, when you were younger and I would say we're Métis and oh, yeah. we're this, we're that. And I, I don't think it really meant that much because she was young. But it's yeah. obviously she's blossomed into a proud Métis woman. And I'm yeah. very proud of that. Very perfect. Perfect segue into asking you some <laughs> questions now. Um, so you were allowed to grow up Métis, I guess. I don't know, was it in your household for a long time? Um, well, for me, it was a little different. Like, I always knew I was Métis ever since I could talk. You know, my dad always let me know we were Métis. And it was never a point of shame for me. I never felt any shame coming from, from our family at all. Um, but still, there was a lot of mystery around what does it mean to be Métis exactly. Because our family has been colonized, just like every other Métis family has been colonized. So it's a, it's a huge... Um, it's a huge thing to try to relearn your history and relearn the stories of your ancestors to be able to, to be strong in your identity and to know where you're going. Because I'm a firm believer that you have to know who, where you come from when to, and why you're here in order to know where you're going. So learning the stories of my ancestors has helped me so much. Um, and so although there was no shame growing up uh, being Métis, I still didn't know much about it. So it's, uh, and I'm still learning a lot about it. Where I started to learn a lot was really in university when I was 25 years old. I went into two environmental studies because uh, protecting the land is the most important thing to me. Uh, I'm now in native studies. My thoughts have kind of shifted uh, when it comes to protecting the land. I'm more interested in asserting indigenous rights instead of uh, just environmental rights. Uh, both are very related, of course, but indigenous rights is a lot more broader than just protecting the environment. Um, so for me, it, uh, school was a huge part in my learning journey. Um, I've and then I started learning about my genealogy as well and exploring the history of my ancestors. And now I feel like I'm, I'm very rooted in my identity. I'm confident in my identity, even though I, I recognize I still have a lot left to learn. And I realized too that being Métis means different things to different people. Uh, like some Métis are very much, they adhere to their indigenous ancestry and indigenous spirituality. Some Métis are just purely, they identify as French and, or Roman Catholic. And some Métis are a mix of both. And so I'm just trying to figure out where I kind of fit in in that spectrum because it's a constantly evolving thing. 
land. So you, you said you cared about the land, and so you took your love of Métis and your love of the land yeah. this last summer, and you did a little thing this summer, <laughs> let's say. Do you want to yeah. talk a little about that? Sure, yes. Well, there is this uh, is an issue called, um, where do I even start with this? Wait, let, so, me, let me help you out. Okay, so, um, <laughs> Before Manitoba was a province, there was Métis towns here, little Métis shanty towns that existed in this area. And uh, there was one that, that formed that was called Rooster Town. So it was a, it was a group, a Rooster Town, if you didn't hear because of that. <coughs> Rooster Town. Um, and uh, so the land where Grant, uh, help me out on this yeah, one. Yeah, so yeah. The, the land where I was on, it was called Parker Wetlands, is on what used to be Métis River Lots. So that's how the Métis settled. It's usually two-mile-long river lots, very narrow and long, and that was... Uh, so that every Métis person living on these river lots could have access to the river and that way everyone's houses could be close together because they're very communally minded. And so this land that I was trying to protect, it was about 60 acres of pretty much pristine Aspen Parkland. Prairie, there's lots of important prairie species there. It was important environmentally and it was important also because it used to be Métis river lots. And as you said, it used to uh, be the last Winnipeg Métis settlement called Roostertown and Tintown. That, and the forest was just on the edges of Roostertown and Tintown. And you know, I kinda, I've been in, going through that forest for eight years. So the forest has become a really uh, important place for me and for many other people. And so in 2009, there was a controversial land swap with Gem Equities in the city of Winnipeg, in which the city of Winnipeg transferred 60 acres over to the developer in exchange for six to nine acres in Fort Rouge Rail Yards. I voted against it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> and so, so that was, and you know, when the swap was done, there was no mention of any Métis significance of the area, no historical significance. Uh, there wasn't proper consultation done with the community, let alone the, the Métis community or the First Nation community. So my point there was just to try to say that this, th these, this is colonization as it's happening presently. A lot of people think colonization is just a past event that is finished, but it's, it's present and it's continuing. So I just wanted to say no, like the, the Indigenous voice has to be here and we want to have a say in how our lands are developed or protected. And I also wanted just to bring awareness to Rooster Town in general, because a lot of people don't know about it. I only learned about it a year or two ago, so it's all, it's all very new to me. And I found out we had Vandals who lived in Rooster Town. Yeah. Wow, so um, what's it like then? Because the, the thoughts that you have have been through uh, a, a childhood that enables that, um, and then through a lot of research for yourself, oui. for a lot of people to comprehend and get with this issue of hey, we're Métis, we're supposed to be consulted on this land, and we would like to be consulted on this land. Like, it's, I feel like you're one of the first, like, you're yeah. the first voice pushing out about it. What was that like for you? It was, um, it was a little frightening, because I know a lot of people didn't think like I did. Yeah. Um, so I knew that I would just be standing there alone or with a few friends, so it ended up being me and 10 friends that stood in front of the actual mulching machines that was about to destroy the land. Um, so it was frightening, but, but you know, it was all done out of love, just pure love. And, and I really feel that when you operate with love first, the fear kind of dissipates. It's still there, but it just plays a minor role, and the love kind of takes over. Because so it's pretty intense. Like, I remember seeing pictures of them putting big lights on you guys. Oh, and yeah. Like not making the conditions nice for you. Yeah, they definitely tried to intimidate us out of there by putting a fence around us and, like, big industrial lights pointing at us 24-7. They uh, put a security guard who was recording us 24-7. Uh, so it was an intense two months during that blockade. 
very, very much. And I learned a lot um, just about how to relate to people and how to plan with people and how to live with people because it was me and a group of people trying to save this land 24-7 for two months. So it's such a, such a learning process and I'll definitely use a lot of what I learned going forward in my future. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like we've spoken about it and obviously it didn't go the way you wanted it to necessarily. Yeah. Um, so what, what are things that you're maybe going to take with you to the next land protest? <laughs> <Let's say. laughs> yes, well... <laughs> I'm or will there, would you, like, I mean... Oh, I would, I would definitely yeah. put myself out there to, yeah. to protect the land anytime and to protect native rights. Um, you know, I think protests are a great way to do things. Direct action is a very ancient te technique that's been around a long time. But so is going into politics and actually trying to, to change it from the inside and be a part from that change. So, Same. you know, I appreciate what my dad did. <laughs> He's been a, a wonderful role model for me in that way. Yeah. And I think what I did is, is good as well, but they're both good, good methods to reach the same goal of change for Indigenous people. Right. So then, perfect segue. Time to ask you a question now, Dan. Je peux mettre trop de pression, okay? This is not a, not a big policy talk here. Just we're just we're just talking here, and uh, I'm curious for yourself, being in federal politics, um, representing Saint Boniface uh, in Ottawa, as as a Métis, um, what what are your goals? Let's say I'll give you that one as a general, and then what are your hopes for the for the future of of Métis, and and maybe do, if you can talk about any plans you have. I know that's very general, yeah. but. Um, my goals are to make sure that uh, the Métis of Manitoba and the Métis of Canada um, get the, the support and the, uh, the support they need from the federal government in terms of, uh, in terms of health, mm -hmm. in terms of education, uh, in terms of economic development. And uh, I, I believe that we're going to achieve that. I believe that... Uh, um, that, that there's, we've been uh, for too long, the Métis and, and First Nation and Inuit people have been fighting against the government to, to try to achieve all of those things. And the, the, statistics, the statistics are very clear that uh, uh, whether it's health outcomes or, or jobs or, or, or look at our prison population, they're, they're, they're disproportionately represented by Métis and First Nation and Inuit. So the only way to turn that, that big ship around is just through building pride within the communities, uh, creating, supporting families so that, so that parents can, uh, can uh, raise healthy children. And uh, the only way to do that is through uh, spirituality and language. Quand on parle des métis, c'est important de savoir qu'ici à Saint-Manifest, il parle à Métif pour commencer, mais aussi comme euh, l'Union nationale métisse qui représente les, les métis francophones. Puis ils ont des droits, euh, ils ont des droits d'avoir de, des, des services dans leur langue. Euh, ça fait que euh, un défi pour moi plus euh, plus locaux, c'est que essayer de, euh, de de bâtir des, des ponts entre l'Union nationale puis la fédération des métis du Manitoba. How's that going? Uh, ben, uh, bonne question. J'ai besoin d'en parler. Uh, on a eu une bonne réunion uh, le mois de mai passé avec Dave Chartrand, Paulette Duguay, Guy Savoie. Il uh, uh, y avait d'autres membres de l'IMMF. Uh, Vania Gagnon était présent comme quelqu'un qui parle des deux camps, uh, MMF puis l'Union, je veux dire. Uh, 
Et puis, euh, je ne suis pas sûr qu'est-ce qui est arrivé entre, de, depuis cette première réunion et aujourd'hui, mais c'est très clair qu'il faut que la communauté métisse se parle pour discuter des, euh, des sujets qui peuvent travailler, qui, qui peuvent euh, travailler ensemble. Par exemple, euh, l'AMMF est, est, est d'accord. Il, il y a beaucoup d'ouvrages à faire pour donner des meilleurs services en français. Puis je sais que un exemple concret, c'est ce, ce, aujourd'hui, ils subventionnent euh, le musée de Saint-Boniface euh, pour que le musée puisse offrir leurs services aujourd'hui gratuits gratuit à la communauté. Ça fait que dans la première réunion, il y avait, des, euh, il y a, il y avait euh, la volonté pour travailler ensemble. Ça fait que, mais maintenant, il faut qu'on fasse la suivi. Go with me on this one for a second. Let's pretend you're not a politician, but yep. you have all your answers, like you, do, like you, you need the, the the professional knowledge that you do have. Um, if for Métis organization, much like the first, much like First Nations, we want to be an independent, self-sustaining government. Yeah. Um, so, um, forgetting what you know or about your job right now, is it the best thing that two Métis unions are being? Like the federal government is the one arbitrating the meeting. Like, is that actually the best way to go about it? No, I think it should come from within. It should come from the communities. Uh, and and when I, I guess I do represent the federal government, but I don't work for the federal government. I right. work for the people of Saint Vitas, Saint Vital. So I see myself as uh, as not a federal rep, but someone who who works for the people. <coughs> so, but I think that. Uh, it's quite clear that uh, the, the community itself has to work uh, amongst itself. It can't be divided. If you're divided, you're weaker. It's an old story amongst First Nations, amongst uh, Indigenous people. If you're divided, you're weaker. If you're united, you're strong, uh, including language, uh, language uh, unity. So uh, I do know that uh, our government, we're, we're, we're investing seriously in Indigenous issues, including indigenous languages. Uh, there's like, I don't know, 80 or 100 million over the next few years to develop indigenous languages. And I'd like to see something done uh, pour la, la langue métif uh, au Manitoba. Ça fait que c'est quelque chose, mais il, il, on a besoin des partenariats de la communauté pour, uh, uh, pour atteindre ce but. Ça fait que, yeah, the communities need to work together. Have you, have you, sorry, so go ahead. I was just going to say for me too, I think the issue of language is of utmost importance. And it's also important to remember that the Métis, you know, they, they were known for speaking many languages, for being guiders, trappers, interpreters, and uh, dealing in diplomatic relations with Europeans and First Nations. So, so Gabriel Dumont, he spoke, what, like nine, nine languages, I think it was? So it's important to, to remember our French language, but also all the other indigenous languages. I'm taking Anishinaabe Moen in university. Uh, that's actually where I met my friend Jack. And so even for us Métis to be involved in that, it's important to, to do that. And that helps us learn a lot about ourselves as well. Not just learn more uh, one side about ourselves, but a more holistic version of ourselves. Yeah, it's a, it's a total, but, but like we're sort of, we were talking about it earlier where it's like, there's many different ways of being Métis, right? Yeah, exactly. Like there's many, so it's like, it's, it's for a lot of people, it's this whole curiosity of trying to attach to something that is supposed to be natural, it's supposed to be uh, something that comes from, from the spring of naturalness. Mm -hmm. How are we doing on time? 147. <laughs> yeah, 147, okay, perfect. Everyone's still getting, everyone's still okay, everyone's <laughs> good. Everyone, okay, everyone here still good? 
Ça va bien? Ça va bien? OK. We can reach out. We'll do a couple questions in a little bit. If anybody has any questions, you'll see you have questions, des commentaires. Let's keep it nice, OK? Si you have questions, like that. Maybe, Jenna, we asked your dad. It's probably time to ask you. What are your hopes for the Métis for future? Oh, I have so much hope for the Métis nation as a whole. The most important thing to me is for the Métis people to attain jurisdictions and legal authorities as a Métis nation and to be able to have a say and have control over land. And to me, land is the most central thing of importance because the, the first harm that colonization did to us was separated us from the land and from each other on the land. And so I think to reclaim that will come from a, a, a place of a lot more wisdom and knowledge and power. And now I'm rambling, and I forgot what the question was. <laughs> your, hope, your hope for the future. I have lots of hope for the future. So, yeah, the Manitoba Métis Federation right now is involved in negotiations with the Canadian government, so that's going to take a long time. And that's to, to address the issue of how the Manitoba Act of 1870 was grossly mishandled. And so there's a lot of work that's going to be done there. Yeah. And Episode 7 of being Métis, <laughs> just saying. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of young people like myself at university are, are really striving and working towards Indigenous sovereignty and um, having a say in, in how our future as Canadians should look. Uh, because it's, it's been too long that the vision of Canada has excluded what the Métis people and First Nation people and Inuit people want. So now, you know, um, it's a time for us to really be loud and to assert ourselves. And that was part of the blockade for me. If, mm. if, if my regular roots of trying to stop this uh, isn't working, then I'm just... I'm going to have to start yelling. <laughs> and that's what I'm good at. <laughs> so lots of hope for sure. And uh, even right now on, at the University of Manitoba, we started the first campus uh, MMF local. So it's, it's called the Bison Local. And I'm co-chair of that. And my friend yeah, talk Brad. Talk about that because I see it on your Facebook, but I have no idea. So I'm literally oh, yeah, curious yeah. about it. So. This has been in the, in the works for quite a while. Um, two years ago, the first Métis student group was started at U of M called Musa, the Manitoba University, no, Métis University Student Association. And then now just uh, this week, it was finally ratified to have a, a campus local. So the point of this is just to bring uh, Métis governance to the students at, at university and to bring uh, student-led initiatives and ideas to the Manitoba Métis Federation. So it's kind of the symbiotic relationship. And I'm hoping that we could make a lot of good changes um, in, in that regard. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. That's great. Merci. Um, is there anybody with any questions out there? Monsieur des questions, madame et monsieur. It's okay, you don't have to think of anything too much. How many of us are Métis here? I'm curious. Woohoo! Beautiful. Okay. How many of us grew up knowing they were Métis? A lot less hands were up. A lot less hands were up. Yeah. All right. In my case, I've heard a lot of stories. I've heard many people talking about their parents not discussing about being Métis and their background of of many reasons of maybe being embarrassed or it was a hush-hush or they didn't know. In my case, my dad was very proud. He had no shame. He showed it. He spoke it. He taught us never to be afraid. And he was a little bit of a black sheep among his family or his extended family. I wouldn't say all of them, but most of them. And he says, never, never hide what you're proud of. And I, I find that so, so valuable in my, my um, how could I say that, in my life that 
I have to show this to my kids and they are as well as very proud of it. But as the generation goes on, there's more and more people that are very proud of being Métis. And I just wish my, there was more people like my father, not to condemn those that didn't talk about it, but uh, my dad who passed away um, eight years ago, was, uh, it was a very, very special day when he passed away. He needs, he, he's always told us that the day I die, please, there's one thing I want you kids to keep doing. Go out there and show who you are and be proud of it. Merci beaucoup. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Jacqueline Maquin, her daughter is the vice president of the Union Nationale Métis de Saint-Joseph, and her other daughter, Sophie, works at Lu'er at the Real House. Yeah, there you go. Small world. And her other son, Jean, just a nice guy. But, um, so I think we're almost at the time. I don't want to stretch it too much. I think we've had a, a lot of good conversation. Is there anybody here that has any questions or anything like that before we go? Oui, Eric. On Jana's perspective, like I was at an event last night and uh, with a former uh, indigenous journalist, and he was asked about La Journée du Bouvier and what it means to him. And his response, I was surprised, was, well, Louis is not one of ours. He's a Métis. No. And I'm curious in that same sort of, you know, there's that community francophone has been struggling for a long time and trying to figure out, you know, can you share both Canadien, Francais, and Métis and identity? And I'm wondering in, in your work in Indigenous uh, sort of claiming rights, what is the relationship between uh, the Mitzi and, and, and some of our First Nations leaders? Oh, there's a lot of tension there, and I've noticed this going to university for sure. Um, what my research interest is, because I'm thinking of going on to a master's in this, is to study the historical and contemporary relations between Métis and First Nations. <laughs> my dad wants me to just start working right away and <laughs> forget <laughs> master's. <laughs> Uh, but there's always been, um, I've heard really good stories about relations and I've heard negative stories. So, so they're both out there for sure. Um, among my friends, uh, you know, I do a lot of bridge building between First Nations and Métis issues. And I think um, the most important thing probably is just to be humble, to come, to come at it in a very humble manner because, you know, the Métis have been quieted for so long. That's definitely true. But I know a lot of Métis people who are asserting themselves in a way that almost seems to be trying to uh, take up all the space in, in the room. And a lot of First Nations people don't, don't like that. And so, so I've been at it to come at it just in a, in a more quiet way, I guess. And just to always remember that when I say I'm fighting for Métis rights, it's, it's First Nations rights as well. It's the same thing. And that's the most important thing for me to remember is that we both are dealing with the same Goliath, uh, we both, although we are distinct nations, we both share the same, we've both been colonized among the same ways. And so we just have to remember, I think, our, our commonality. And uh, when it comes to reconciliation with the government, we have a lot of work to do amongst our nations ourselves, between the Inuit, First Nation, Métis, and between uh, certain Métis people and other Métis people. A lot of reconciliation needs to be done there. Uh, before we can uh, approach the government to, uh, to address this, these grievances as a united front. So, uh, I, uh, I, I speak to quite a few Métis who are wary about 
they often tell me, look at your budgets, federal government. You have X number of billion dollars for indigenous people, but very little of that goes to Métis. Most of it goes on reserve, First Nation. Uh, a lot of it goes up north to the Inuit. So they are wary when it used to be the word Aboriginal, uh, because they get excluded when you say Aboriginal, most people think First Nation. Uh, now it's Indigenous, uh, and uh, many Métis leaders are, are a little wary of that as well. Uh, so uh, it has to be Métis specific. And I know at the federal government, uh, the budget's going to be released, I think, in uh, a week today. The vingt sets. It's the twentieth today. Yeah, the twenty seventh is a week today, and we've been pushing hard uh, for a Métis specific housing policy, more Métis specific initiatives uh, for Manitoba that are part of the Indigenous envelope, but they're Métis specific. Otherwise, Métis tend to get less uh, of the pie. Yeah. No, and, and, and like you said, the words are important too in the, in the whole general discussion. By by the words. Métis people are Aboriginal, Métis people are Indigenous, according to the, yeah, to, to, yeah. To the terminology used Section by others. Section 35. Exactly. So it's, uh, it's a whole other conversation because I feel weird when someone's like, oh, you're Aboriginal. The word in Indi Aboriginal and Indigenous come with m a whole other connotation in my mind. Yeah. So saying oh, yeah, I, I'm yeah. Aboriginal, I grew up in Otterburn. It's not the same. It's like it, you know what I mean? Like, it's not the same thing. So yeah. I think there's still a, a more comfortability that we all need to get. But uh, I thank you both for your time here awesome. today. Thank you. You and Daniela Fair. Anything you guys want to say? To Anything closing that we missed, you No, think? I, I think that I appreciate what you're doing, uh, Barney. I think you're doing uh, fantastic work. So yeah. keep at it. Uh, conversations are more important than ever for our communities. Continue le bon travail. Je t'apprécie pour ça. Oh, merci beaucoup. Yeah. I'll send an application for grants your way. <laughs> 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 yeah. Merci beaucoup. I think it's very important cool. to have these conversations too and, and to make people aware of the issues. And I'm just, I'm very proud to be Métis and the fact that, that we're here on our land again and we could, we could talk about our experiences in the open. We don't have to worry about getting beat up when we leave here. So that's, that's always a great thing. We got the company with us here. So yeah, they'll protect yeah. us. All right, aux alentours de Eli, Eli, et puis il y avait, qui travaillait avec nous, des métis de Saint-Eustache puis Saint-Laurent. Et puis presque tout notre groupe était, était métis. Ils se parlaient en métif, mais moi, quand ils me parlaient, ils me parlaient en anglais. Puis je ne comprenais pas. Ben, je comprends l'anglais, mais je ne comprenais pas pourquoi ils ne voulaient pas me parler en français. Alors, je les ai écoutés pour une semaine, pour deux semaines, puis j'ai pris l'accent de l'émotif, ça l'avait. Et puis, ça me fait plaisir. C'est une des plus belles choses qu'il y a à propos des métifs, c'est la langue. Puis leur façon de chanter, puis lire quand ils disent quelque chose. Et puis, c'est dommage qu'on n'en voit pas plus de ça. Ah, merci, c'est vrai, c'est vrai. Parce que même dans l'Université de Manitoba, maintenant, il y a, il y a des, des, des classes de langues en Anishinaabe, Moen, puis Cree, mais il n'y en a pas des, des langues pour Michif. Alors, ça, c'est quelque chose uh, that we have to work on and we have to, to bring there, for sure. 
Merci pour le commentaire. Vous nous versez ces manifestes? Ils ont des langues mythiques, là? Non, 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 mais on devrait. Ça serait une bonne place. Ça serait une bonne place. One day, more thoughts, more ideas for the future. Je vous remercie tous les deux encore pour la conversation. Thank you everyone here for coming. Un grand merci à la compagnie La Vérandrie pour nous avoir laissé la place pour être ici. Et aussi un grand merci, oui, un grand merci pour les autres. On va faire deux chants pour remercier les personnes qui nous ont laissé ici. OK. Sur le premier, ça va remercier les autres. On va faire un grand Vive le roi! Vive le roi! Vive le roi! Ok, j'ai dit une, oh, j'ai dit une. <rire> Kidding, sorry, c'est votre règlement, c'est votre, um, votre maison, votre maison. Robert, Puis oh aussi, yeah. on va faire un grand hey ho pour le grand merci pour le Festival du Voyageur. Hey ho! Merci beaucoup tout le monde, salut. Merci. Merci. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. We have links to more info on our website, beingmetis.ca. There, you can also donate any amount you'd like to our Patreon drive. This whole project came out of the pocket of a broke student, so if you learned anything, liked the interviews, or even maybe discovered something about yourself, consider supporting this podcast. Next week, I sit down for a chat at the home of Palette Duquet, the president of Union Nationale Métis du Saint-Joseph-du-Manitoba. We learn about the oldest Métis representative group and how they plan to keep French Métis culture alive. Thanks for listening. À la prochaine.